Well, good day, everyone. Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. It is my privilege once again to open up God's Word with you. As Peter is bringing this letter to a close, he is zeroing in on the idea of standing firm in Christ. So if you are able, please stand with me. I'm going to read the same verses I read last week. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. This is the Word of God. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Lord God, we thank You that we can, can cast our cares upon You. Lord, as we think of this truth today and that You care for us, Lord, give us grace. Give us grace not to hold on to our anxieties, but to give them over to you. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're all in the same boat. We all have a very similar problem. It's an ongoing problem, that of worry and anxiety dealing with issues and cares and troubles and letting those overtake us. Anxieties and cares, both internal and external. And we worry about all sorts of things. We worry about things that have happened. We worry about things that might happen. We worry about what people have said or done to us. We worry about what people might say or do to us. We worry about what we've done and we even worry about what we might do. Worry about so many things. So I thought it would be a great idea right off the bat to first and foremost have all the non-worriers leave. (laughs) Right now. This is your shot. Right now. This is your chance. If you're a non-worrier, you go now. Actually, stay. Because actually, you can counsel the rest of us after the service. I will be the first to admit it. I am a recovering worry addict. I'm a serial worrier. So was Peter. And I have a feeling that many of you are too. We're all in the same boat, worried about many things and we need a solution to our worry problem but we look in all the wrong places we try to cope in lots of ways maybe we try to block it out pretend like it didn't happen or it's not happening ignore it maybe it will go away we might seek the help and advice of friends or family We might even hire professionals to help us work through the issues. But our man-made solutions 
are temporary at best. They don't work. They ultimately fall short unless they are anchored in Christ. Peter had fallen prey to worry, anxiety, defeat, discouragement. His faith had been shaky. His trust had wavered. But the Lord grew him deep in suffering. He wanted to encourage these scattered, suffering Christians. He wanted to tell them, here's what God can do. We're in the last section of 1 Peter. Final words. And Peter is calling for imperative attitudes built on God's indicative actions. Here's how you should live because of what God has done for you in Christ. He who died for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. He who bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin, live to righteousness. If you look at 1 Peter 5, in the very first part, the verse 4 verses, Peter had encouraged the humble, bold service of Christ's elders. And now from verses 5 through 14, he is encouraging the humble, bold surrender of Christ's followers. All believers are to be good followers of Christ, standing firm amidst suffering. Last week we saw the first, of two, the first two of eight basic attitudes that are necessary if you want to stand firm in Christ. The first was submission to God and others. Peter began verse 5 by saying, Young men, submit to the elders. He singles out those who were most likely to resist authority and to rebel against the church's servant leaders. But in so doing, he's reminding everyone, this is what you're supposed to do. Your responsibility is to follow godly leadership. Good followers of the chief shepherd, follow human shepherds well. The second attitude we saw is that we are to be humble before God and others. Allowing ourselves to be humbled by the circumstances God allows in our lives. Humbling ourselves before our brothers and sisters in Christ. Knowing that God is sovereign and thinking of others as more important than ourselves. It's really tough for us to do. It's really tough for us to think like that. And now in verse 7, which is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I have shared it with so many people so often. I have shared it with myself so often. We see a third attitude necessary to stand firm in Christ. You've heard it before. It's not a new idea. But it's one we struggle with greatly. Active trust in God. Active trust in God. Verse 7 says, and we're going to focus on this verse today. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Probably the most pressing need that all of us face on a daily basis is what do we do with the worries the cares and the anxieties that plague our souls. And God has given us the answer in 1 Peter 5, 7. Our problem, 
worry and anxiety. We need solution. We look in the wrong places. But God has provided the solution Himself. God has provided Himself as the solution, casting all your anxieties on Him. Casting all your anxieties. The immediate context of this would be to cast the worry, the anxiety that you feel in the context of church leadership and followership and leave it in God's hands, His mighty hands. Don't take it into your hands to right every perceived wrong. The wider context, though, is very comforting to us. The wider context is cast on God everything that assaults your soul anything that causes turmoil in your heart and in your life anything that threatens true christian discipleship and true christian fellowship cast it all on him let's look at the word cast it means to throw upon it is a decisive act on our part to throw something on something else now Peter's not telling us what the anxiety is that we're to throw maybe it's from the persecution that's the context here but you can apply it to any difficulty you face as a believer who wants to live a godly life in this fallen world casting then throwing upon is used in Luke 19.35 of casting their, their cloaks on a donkey throwing something on a beast of burden offloading your worries throwing your anxiety I want to point something out about verse 7 because some of our Bible translations don't follow this verse 7 is not a new sentence in Greek some of our Bible translations start a brand new sentence there and what it makes it seem like is that the word cast is also an imperative that goes along with submit and humble and then cast but that's not the way it is if it was, if it was an imperative, it would signify an independent duty. Do this and do those other things too, but they might not be connected. As it is, it is a participle built on the previous imperative, submit and humble. The idea is that casting your cares is the response of a submitted, humble-minded believer. When you have submitted your soul to God, when you've humbled yourself before Him, then you can cast your cares on Him. You can't cast your cares on God with a prideful heart. God is opposed to the proud, it says here. He gives grace to the humble. So it's a response of a submitted and humble-minded believer. Where did Peter get this idea of casting your cares upon the Lord? He got it from Psalm 55, verse 22. In fact, go there with me. Psalm 55, and verse 22. You'll notice the context is David being, being treated very harshly by a supposed friend. Basically, he had a, a Judas-like experience from someone he trusted. Start up in verse 21. His speech was smooth as butter, 
yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. There's a word picture for you. And then he says in verse 22, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. That's what David did. David cast his burden on the Lord. The betrayal that he experienced, he cast on the Lord. And what he's saying is, you take your burdens and your cares, anything you're anxious or worried about, and you cast it on God. And by the way, this is not something you have to wait till later to do. You can do this right now. You can do this anytime through this sermon. Cast your cares upon God. We're looking at you and you're smiling in your face, but inside you might be in turmoil. You might be churning. And you can cast your cares upon God because he cares for you. And you will have his peace instead of turmoil. Casting all your anxiety, every one of your individual concerns, might come from memories of your past might come from pressure in the present or even fear of what might happen in the future. Or they might all be just lumped up into one burdensome bundle of worry and anxiety, everything jumbled together, past, present, and future. It might lead you to fear. What are you afraid of? And what can you really do about it? After years of flying around the world to many countries, about 15 years ago, I stopped flying because I started thinking, what if I die in the middle of the flight? Oh no, they have to throw me off the plane, throw me out the window or something. And I would tell myself, well, what if you did die in the middle of the flight? You're going to be with Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, but. What can you really do about the thing you're afraid of? I had to conquer that fear. I had to fly 22,000 miles to conquer that fear. And Jesus, caring for me, conquered the fear. Victory over fear. But it started with anxiety and worry, just like a little grain of sand and just kept irritating and getting bigger and bigger till it it turned into a massive boulder and then a, a big Mount Everest in my life. You might be worried about the direction you're going in life. Where am I gonna live? How am I going to make it financially? Who am I going to marry? There's subtle danger. Thinking, oh, God's a genie. He's a vending machine. I just cast my cares upon him, put it in that little slot, and he's going to drop down the perfect life for me that I can just pick up and go on my way. God is always God. He wants us to listen to his word. And he wants us to recount everything he has done in the past. Every deliverance, every answered prayer. And and with gratitude know that he is present even in the midst of deep anxiety. Even in in the midst of worry that wrestles you to the ground and pins you. One writer has said that holy freedom from anxious care is essential to submission to God. He says, to be overwhelmed with anxiety is to be concerned with self rather than Him. When I'm anxious, I'm thinking about myself. 
but he knows what we need better than we do. So the casting of our anxieties is an act of our will. And it's done in obedience to Jesus' teaching on anxiety. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 6. Let's see what Jesus says about it. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, I tell you, verse 25, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you will put on. And then he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he points to the birds. We want to shoot the birds, right? That's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I had a BB gun. All I wanted to do was shoot little birds. But Jesus said, no, look at the birds. Look at them. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Gives them worms and other insects they could get all nourished on. And then he says, are you not of more value than they? You're, You're more valuable than birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? He says, look, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Some of you are worried right now about tomorrow. You're worried about what might happen tomorrow, and tomorrow might not come for you. Jesus says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You just cast your burdens on me and and deal with today. Put your troubles where they belong, Jesus says, at, at my feet. It says, casting all your cares on him, on the all powerful one, on the able one, on the caring one. Let's talk about the story behind the solution. The explanation of this solution to cast our cares on the Lord. Why can we do that? Why can we cast our cares on God? The text tells us because He cares for us, He cares for you. I think a huge road, roadblock to putting others first and thinking of them as more important than ourselves is the question of who's going to care for me? Who's going to take care of my needs? And this tells us God himself will take care of your needs. He is able to do far better than you could do. His hand is mighty. Ours are weak. I think it's common for frail, fallen humankind to question whether God cares or not. It's common for believers to do that. Does God really care? The 7.8 earthquake hit Nepal yesterday. And an hour later, a 6.7 aftershock. And does God care that thousands of people died? Does he care that Christians are being persecuted? We're hearing the stories every day. It's like a snowball. Does God care? Two words. Two words in... In John 11.35, say, yes, he cares. Jesus wept. 
His friend Lazarus had died. Jesus wept. Even having Jesus right there with him didn't stop his disciples from questioning whether he cared. In fact, they accused him of not caring. Mark chapter 4, verse 38, they've got Jesus in the boat. The wind and the waves are crashing. The boat is about to sink. Or so they think. And here's what they cry out. Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Having Jesus right there with her didn't stop Martha from doing the same thing. With Jesus by her side, Luke 10, 40. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me all alone to do all the serving? People say, God doesn't care. We are tempted to think that God doesn't care. You look at the messed up nature of things in the world and people ask, how can there be a God who cares? And it's because we don't understand the nature and the character of God. We forget. We forget that 1 John 4, 8 and verse 16 tell us that God is love. Profound statement. He doesn't just love, He is love. His essential nature is love and He showers it on undeserving people. Objects of mercy who are in rebellion against him. God demonstrates his own love for us. Romans 5.8 says, In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You're worried today. I want to tell you, God cares for you. God knows you. He knows your name. He will never say to you, I don't care. He is not disinterested or apathetic. He is concerned. He is empathetic. Because he cares for you. That was a foreign thought to the Greeks. Greek philosophy at its highest could only imagine a doctrine of God that had perfect goodness at the core. But it could not imagine his active concern for humankind. But he cares for you. He is not insensitive or indifferent to your suffering. He cares for you always, actively, continuously. It's not a one-time shot. It's, It's all the time. He cares for you. To throw your cares on God is not misplaced personal trust. And by the way, verse 7, even in the arrangement of the pronouns, tells us how much God cares. For he cares for you. Literally in the Greek it reads, to him it is a care concerning you. To him it is a care concerning you. You, everything that creates anxiety for you, everything that 
causes anger for you. Anything that is massive or minute is a matter of concern to him. He cares for you. It doesn't mean he always agrees with you. Sometimes he just wants to change your heart. Sometimes he wants to correct you. Sometimes he wants to comfort you. One writer said, it's, it's the belief that God cares that marks Christianity off from all other religions, which under all varieties of form are occupied with the task of making God care, of awakening by sacrifice or some act the slumbering interest of the deity, as if God was taking a nap and needed to be woken up. Buddhists clap their hands to get God's attention. The prophets of Baal, first kings, they cut themselves. They cried out. Elijah mocked them and said, maybe you need to shout louder. Maybe your God is on vacation. Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe you need to wake him up. But I think it's also very easy for Christians to to think that they have to work really hard and be really, really good for God to take notice of them and to then reciprocally reward them with blessing for their good behavior. God cares for you, period. The Psalms show us over and over again, David is pouring out his heart to God and in the Psalms there is proof that God cares. Psalm 34 says he rescues from distress. Psalm 40, verse 5 says his thoughts to believers are without number. His thoughts about you are without number. Psalm 41, 11 says he keeps our enemies from triumphing over us. I don't think that will work in a soccer match or a football game, but I believe it does work in real enemies in real life. Psalm 46 says he is a refuge and strength in trouble. Psalm 138 repeats it. Psalm 24 and Psalm 55 say he hears and answers our prayers. Psalm 31 and 32 and 48 and 51 and 73 say he is ready to forgive. Psalm 84 tells us he is good to those who walk with him. Now, what reveals most God's care for us is the incarnation. God the Son becoming man in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ teaching about the Father, stretches his, stresses his careful concern for all his own. Mark, Matthew chapter 10, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Grab a couple hairs off your head. Don't pull them out. Just grab them. Just grab onto them for a moment. I want to see everybody doing it, even if you don't have much. Grab something. Grab a hair from your ear or something. I don't know. Um, You see all those hairs you're holding onto? You can't count them right now. God knows how many are on your whole head. And then he says, fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. God loves you more than birds. But isn't it easy? For us to go through pain and suffering and anxiety and care and worry and think that the things that make that happen are not blessings but curses 
Some deep disappointment that you've endured, some loss of a cherished thing, some unmet expectation. But these things are blessings from God that God uses to wean us from the world. He is using this in your life to wean you from the world and living in self-seeking ways and to, to set your hearts on Christ above all. That's what God is doing. Even First Peter's letter here shows us and proves to us why we need God's care. So many things going on. Chapter 2, lust that wage war with our soul. Then we need our, his help with slander, when we are slandered. Dealing with unfair masters. Chapter 3, wives need to live godly before disobedient husbands. They need God's care. Husbands need to lead their wives in godliness. They need God's care. Chapter 4, verse 8 says we're called to, to love the difficult to love. We need God's care. We all have burdens. They're real, tangible burdens in life. And God calls you and I to simply trust and fully rely on Him. Last week we talked about submitting to God and others and humbling ourselves before God and others. Do you know you cannot cast your cares upon God unless you submit your heart to Him and under His authority and humble yourself under His greatness? then you are enabled to to cast your cares cast your cares on him because he cares for you his care isn't just for a moment his care is 24 7 his care is for your whole life his care is constant and active and continual he doesn't take a day off he doesn't go on vacation he doesn't take a nap and his care is perfect and it's based on his perfect knowledge of you Everything about you. No matter who you are, what you've done, everything about you is open and laid bare before him with whom we have to do. You know, I think is striking to me. What is notable about Peter's letter is what he doesn't say. What Peter doesn't say, he never brings up his old life. I've been reminded you almost every week about what Peter was like, but he never does. He'd been born again to a living hope. So he doesn't start the letter and say, Peter, who denied Jesus. Peter, who strayed. Peter, who wavered in microscopic faith. Peter, who jockeyed for position. Peter, who'd spoken rashly. Peter, who did not submit. Peter, who was not humble. He doesn't say that. He cast his burden on the Lord. Didn't rely upon himself. Unlike the time he sunk in the waves. And like all of us, Peter was a sinner. And God forgives and uses sinners. First Peter chapters 1 through 5 have been screaming that to us for over a year. Peter's faith was weak at times. He lied. I do not know the man. He swore and cursed. Jesus told him not to, to curse and swear, and he did. He denied being a follower of Jesus even though Jesus said be faithful unto death. You look in Galatians chapter 2 verses 11 through 14. He gave in to peer pressure. He was guilty of hypocrisy. But Peter learned through suffering to cast his cares on God. And so do we. So do we. Sometimes it will be a very painful road for us. God needs to get our attention. 
And we say, oh, no, he's, he's got my attention, and we keep on going in sin. And worry is sin. Let's give an application of the solution. What does it look like? What does casting your cares on God look like? That's kind of tough because it's really an internal thing most of the time. It does work its way out in our lives and into our actions and words and interactions with other people. But first let me tell you what it doesn't look like. Peter's talking about standing firm in Christ, being firm in your faith, standing firm in the grace of God. But maybe you feel like you're always falling down, not standing firm. Especially when it relates to worry and anxiety. This internal struggle that can be hidden by everybody except God and those closest to us. I'm a worrier. Peter was a worrier. But you can't simultaneously worship and sin and worry is sin. You can't simultaneously worship and worry. Worry is prideful sin. Because we're thinking about ourselves. We're wrapped up in ourselves. Here's what I try to do. I do it all the time, by the way. A problem comes, a challenge comes, and anxiety happens, and I try to work it all out and figure it all out in my mind. It's like doing a puzzle or a maze. And I like to twist myself up almost into a pretzel trying to figure it out. And I hate it, but I do it. And I stress myself out, and I forget to cast it on God, and it's almost like I, I need to get all stressed out first before I cast it on God. Peter didn't say that. Pride is so deceptive. Don't twist yourself into a pretzel trying to figure it all out. It'll lead you nowhere good. And then you'll be all like a pretzel. Arms going the wrong way. Heads going the wrong way. It just doesn't work. But what does active trust look like? Let me give you a couple other words, okay? That might help you get a handle on this. Cast also equals commit. You know the word commit, entrust yourself to God? Psalm 37, verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him. He will do this. Proverbs 16, 3 says, Commit your to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. In the Hebrew, that word commit literally means to roll. So you roll it away from you, out of your control, into the hands of another. Let me get more practical for you, though. In my life, it's really something that occurs in my heart and my mind when I cast my cares on the Lord, and it pretty much looks like something that is primary to Christian growth, that you know the name of, but we often neglect. Prayer. Prayer. Most often silent and private, sometimes out loud and with others, but prayer. Your prayer life, the majority is private and personal, and then we pray with others. So casting everything on God at, at its most practical level equals praying. Now, why does casting equal praying? First of all, Psalm 55, verse 22, that, that 1 Peter 5, 7 is based upon, is in the context of prayer. Secondly, go to Philippians 4. 
Philippians chapter 4. It says that prayer is, is the answer to anxiety. Prayer in everything is the answer to anxiety. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The primary way to trust God is by praying. 1 Peter 4, 7 says that being sober and watchful, which is the next thing that Peter's going to say in chapter 5, is related to prayer. Do that for the purpose of prayer. Let me make some observations on prayer. Prayer is submission to God and humility put into practice. You can't pray with a prideful heart or else you're not praying to God. And prayer is blessed because... it. 1 Peter 5 says God gives grace to the humble. And he promises relief to, to everyone who will cast everything on him. You look at James 4, verses 2 through 4, and it tells us that submitting to God leads to appropriately seeking God's will in prayer. And casting all your care on God covers all kinds of prayer. Praising God for who he is. Thanking him for what he does. Confessing your sins to him. Asking, making requests of him for yourself and others. If you are in enough stress, you will pray. Next, we're going to see that the devil is prowling, but God is always caring, so pray. There are some great prayers in the Bible where people cast their burden on God. Think of the tax collector. His humble prayer, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. And then there's the, then there's the publican who was sinfully casting the tax collector's burden on God. You think about David in the Psalms over and over again. He says, I remember what you have done. I pour out my soul. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I will again praise him. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. He says, "My voice, with my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy. I pour out my complaint to him. I tell my trouble to him. Tell God your trouble. Think of Hannah. 1 Samuel chapter 1. She is deeply distressed. Her heart is in anguish. And she weeps bitterly and she prays to God. And she says, her explanation was, I was pouring my heart out to God. So you pour your heart out to God in prayer, you're casting your cares upon him. And the ultimate is Jesus at the cross. Jesus at the cross, pouring his heart out to the Father. I want to make this super practical for us. If you want to stand firm in Christ, if you want to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, you need to do two things. Number one, pray often. And number two, pray with someone else often. I want you to take out that prayer guide that's in your bulletin. Take it out real quick. Prayer guide, bulletin. We've been talking about it for over a month. 
You know what it is, unless you're brand new. And in here, we, we're praising God and praying for the church and praying for the world. I tell you, you pray the attributes of God. You pray the names of God. Pray about making disciples and proclaiming the gospel and sacrificially serving Jesus. Pray for our missionaries, our community, the unreached. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the little flappy part, and I want you to, uh, to think about who's going to be your prayer partner. But here's the deal. If you're married... Your prayer partner is your spouse. Alan Check, who's your prayer partner? Uh, <laughs> Christy, okay, two, those two are taken. All right. Kevin, who's your prayer partner? What's her name? Oh, please. Okay, the plums are taken. Mark, who's your prayer partner? Cheryl, right here, they're taken. Bud, who's your prayer partner? And what's her name? Carol, the Gilbertsons are taken. Tony, who's your prayer partner? Cassie. All right, Lloyd, who's your prayer partner? Fran and Lloyd Rinks, they're taken too. All right, now let's just say you kids, uh, you got brothers and sisters you're living with at home? Put one of those down as your prayer partner. It's got to be somebody close to you that you're going to see all the time. And by the way, husbands, you're going to thank me later because this is going to help you have a better marriage. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way so your prayers won't be hindered. All right, if you're not married, you don't have any brothers and sisters in the house either, who's in your small group? Okay, I want you to put your prayer partner's name right down here, write it on your card, and tell them later. That they're, they're not going to say no to that. Come on. We're talking about prayer here. It's good for them. It's good for you. Write down your prayer partner's name, tell them later, and then pray often with each other. You need to do that. I need to do this. Surrender my heart to God, trust in Him, and rest in Him. But as I close, let me say this. As you're thinking about your life, you might have a Jobian story. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, stuff like happened to Job has happened to you. A Jobian story. You might sincerely feel like you're at the breaking point and that you have everything crumbling around you and there's nothing to stand on or hold you up. But there is a Christ-centered, gospel-sized nature to the solution that God gave us. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The gospel of the grace of God in Christ is going to change your outlook. And it's going to change your inlook too, like how you think inside your heart. The word of God is going to comfort you and console you and cheer you up and correct your faulty thinking. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Every worry, every bit of anger, every resentment, every hatred, every unrelenting desire, every tyrant sin you want to hold on to, cast it all on him. All of it. Everything that assaults your soul, lay every burden down, every weight. He carries it all. Jesus took it to the cross. He shed his blood for this. He died to pay your debt. It's all covered. Cast your cares on him. Take nothing back. Don't grasp any captivating sin. You hold on to the mighty hand that holds on to you. Lord God, I'm just wondering, could it be that you send us humbling circumstances so that we would humbly submit to you and cast every care on you? 
for all of us recovering worry addicts, all of us serial worriers. By your grace, may we do the only thing that works, casting all our care upon you because you care for us. We acknowledge there are no easy answers in life, but we know with assurance that Jesus hung on a bloody cross and he made the payment for sin. And Lord God, you kept your promise to redeem fallen man. You extended your mercy. You you gave grace unmerited. And so we look to the cross of Christ and we see the ultimate explanation and example of your care for us. How you made peace through the blood of your cross. And we thank you, Lord God, that we get to cast our care upon you here on earth and that we will cast our crowns before you there. And we thank you for the amazing privileges we have in Christ. Amen.